again, let me remind you, we chose as a theme, the fellowship of the gospel because the Philippians partnered with Paul in the gospel. And, and really that's what these final verses are about. Paul is, he's thanking them for uh, their commitment to him and basically for their financial uh, support of his ministry over all of the years. But remember, as we've been thinking about the fellowship of the gospel, the Philippians were so grateful for what God had done uh, among them through the apostle Paul. They wanted that same thing to happen uh, to people as far and wide as possible. So they basically said, Paul, we're partnering with you. We're going to support you so you can take this wonderful message of salvation to uh, the other nations. And, and that's what they did. And so the gospel, remember, is that great and wonderful news that God has made a way for us who have been separated from him because of our sin. He's made a way for us to be reconciled to him and to come into a personal relationship. And, you know, you cannot overstate the case for uh, the, this personal relationship with God through Christ. Uh, this is not religion in the sense that we often think about religion. You know, many times people will refer to uh, believers as, oh, well, the, that, that, that guy's religious, right? Or, or yeah, oh, oh yeah, she's really religious. Um, but, but that's really not what we're talking about here because religion generally, if you look at it sort of across the board, uh, religion, the, the idea behind religion is what can I do to uh, obtain God's favor? What can I do to, to uh, get connected with God or have life uh, ab- everlasting or, or whatever? It, the emphasis in religion is always on what can I do? And the emphasis in the gospel is on what God did to bring us into a relationship with him. And so that was, the, that was the partnership that Paul and the Philippians shared. And that's really what he's reminding them of and thanking them for in the verses here. And as we have been doing, we'll come back around to the subject of the gospel as we wrap things up today. But I wanna look at two verses here today that are, are verses that, are highlighted in a natural sense because they're verses that have stood out uh, to Christians in every generation. Uh, You know, as Christians, we all learn um, different Bible verses by memory. We, um, you know, we, we see certain promises in scripture and we, we highlight it, we underline it, we commit it to memory. And verse 13 and verse 19 fall right into that category. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So those are the two verses that we're going to focus on. But as Paul closes this brief letter to his dearly beloved friends and partners in the gospel, he leaves them 
with these two indispensable truths. So these are vital truths. These are truths that we cannot do without. And, And yet, of course, they're truths that must be embraced by us. And if we embrace these truths, they will... Paul knew this by experience. They will carry us through the uncertainties of life in a sinful and broken world. That's what we live in. We live in a sinful and a broken world. The world is broken. It doesn't work the way God intended it to work. And thus we have all kinds of ramifications as a result of that brokenness. How do we navigate life in a broken world? Well, we navigate life in a broken world by remembering these two things. Number one, God will strengthen. And number two, God will supply. So look with me at the verses here uh, surrounding verse 13. But let's just start with verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I need to say something about this verse because it's a wonderful promise, but it has been um, misinterpreted or misunderstood or misapplied on certain occasions. So let's just say this. This is not the abracadabra or the uh, open sesame uh, of the Christian. Uh, This is not, I can become a billionaire through Christ who strengthens me, or I can win the Miss America pageant through Christ who strengthens me, or I can write a hit song through Christ who strengthens me, or I can win the Super Bowl through Christ who strengthens me. Oftentimes, you will hear this verse taken out of its context. And and I think in cases like I, I just gave those examples, I think that's a misapplication of this verse. Now, I'm not saying we cannot sincerely look to Christ for strength in all things, even the things I just mentioned. I'm not saying that we can't do that. We can, as long as those things are part of his agenda for our lives and not driven by our own self-centered ambitions. And I have to admit that I have heard the verse quoted many times over and it was driven more by selfish ambition than the actual glory of God. And so just that that clarification there. Now, as we look at the context, and as I said, in all of the verses that Cheryl read to us, verses 10 through the end of the chapter, um, Paul is... Um, he's, he's reminding them of, of their partnership. He's thanking them for their ongoing uh, commitment to him. And then he's laying out these principles that uh, he lives by and that they are to live by as well. But as is always the case, the context is so important because I want you to notice that the context here of verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, the context is contentment in all circumstances. Look what Paul says in verse 11. He says, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. 
I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you see, the context is, is contentment in all circumstances, even the unpleasant, uncomfortable ones. That, that's really what Paul is saying to them. He's thanking them for their generosity, but he's also telling them, I'm not saying these things to you uh, out of need. I'm thanking you for giving. I'm not saying give me more. He's saying, I want you to know that I've learned to be content. And I've learned that contentment even in the unpleasant and uncomfortable circumstances of life. And Paul talks about, I know how to uh, be abased. I know how to, to suffer and to lack. And I also know how to live with uh, plenty. Uh, the, the circumstance is no longer the basis for my contentment. Now, Paul, remember, this, these words were penned in a prison, that's the thing that we can not forget. These words were penned in a prison. And so uh, I, I, I've learned to be content in all circumstances like for Paul imprisonment, or dare we say, I've learned to be content in lockdown, quarantine, shelter in place. I believe Jesus wants to teach us contentment even in the present circumstances. And, and this is a, the battle that we're in right now because our flesh, if you will, or just our, our natural inclinations are to try to force our way out of an uncomfortable situation. But Paul recognized that uh, he wasn't going to be able to free himself from the situation. So rather than just uh, living with a constant lament and a woe is me, I am in prison, Paul just says, you know what? I, I am going to be content in this situation. And so for us, I believe that Jesus wants to teach us contentment even in the present circumstances. That is why I will not be pushing to reopen the church until the state allows or clearly shows itself to be discriminating against the church, which I do not believe is the case at this point. So right now there's pressure to reopen the churches and there's a, a big thrust toward this. Uh, I will not participate in that, as I said, um, unless we come to a place where there is clearly discrimination going on, which I just do not see that as the situation that we are in. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. Do I wish I was preaching to a room full of people rather than a camera? Absolutely. Do I wish we could all be together uh, during this time? Yes, 
I, that, that's what I want to be the case, but it's not the case. And I think that for the church, we should be of all people exercising patience at this point. Now, I'm not saying that I'm uh, a champion at doing that. I'm not saying that I've got it all together and I'm always patient in the middle of all this. Uh, I'm, I'm not. As a matter of fact, last night I was preparing this message and I was about halfway through my preparation and uh, I said to Cheryl, I'm gonna go to the store. She said, okay, get this. And I went to the store and lo and behold, for the first time, the little uh, market that I go to, I had to wait in a line to get into it. And I thought, wow. But I also immediately thought, okay, remember what you're preaching on. Remember what you've been telling other people. So I had to regroup and say, okay, praise the Lord. I'm standing in line. It's not the end of the world. Uh, you know, took a few minutes longer, but it's okay. So that I believe is where where we as God's people need to be today. Some of you are aware that there is a call by certain pastors uh, here in the state of California to reopen the church on May 31st, even in defiance of the governor's orders. Now, if that is the conviction of some, that is between them and the Lord. I just want to say, that is not my conviction, nor is it the word the Lord has given me. All the way through this, from the very beginning, and as a matter of fact, some of you will remember, uh, the week before everything shut down, I said, you know, this is, uh, uh, this is a, an exaggerated thing. It's gonna pass quickly. And yet the following week, uh, we did not have a service and had not had, not had a service uh, since then. And, and going all the way going into it, I was resisting the, the idea that we would somehow not meet. But, you know, I did the thing that, that you always should do. I stopped and I prayed. And as I prayed, I really sensed from the Lord, I want you just to go with this. I, I don't want you to resist it. And so come that weekend, it, it wasn't a big uh, challenge to make the decision to not hold services. On that Sunday, we still could have with a few people, but we just made the decision not to do it because I sensed that that was what the Lord was saying. And, and that has been my conviction all the way along. The word that the Lord has given me and that I've been sharing over these many weeks now is wait on me. Trust me. That, that great word from Hebrews has come back to me over and over again, that you have need of patience so that after you have done the will of God, you will or you may inherit the promises. And, and then the passage here today just was, again, a, a reaffirmation of those things. Everywhere and in all things, Paul says he learned to be content. And the thing the Lord's been speaking to me is that as well. Everywhere and in all things, I want you to learn to be content. And I want you to know that you can do this through me. I will strengthen you. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I wanna say this because I believe that this is an important moment for the church. And so I'm speaking to our congregation here at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, but, but I, I want to speak more broadly as well uh, to anyone else who listens. I believe this is an important moment for the church, maybe even a moment of testing. This really could be a, a moment of testing for the church at this time. And the question is, are we going to demonstrate faith and patience and put the welfare of others before our own, even perhaps before our own rights? Because so much of this is driven by the, the, the issue of rights. And thank God that we have certain rights. But there is a time, and especially for Christians, and especially from what we're taught in the Bible, there is a time when we forego our rights for the benefit of others. So the question is, are we going to demonstrate faith and patience or are we going to demand our rights and insist on our way regardless of the risk to others? This is the moment that I believe that we are in. And I do believe it's a test for us. And over the past several weeks, the text has just lent itself to it. We've been talking about uh, spiritual formation. We've been talking about the virtues. We've been talking about Christian character. We've been talking about uh, the development of uh, patience and things like this. And I think sometimes as Christians, we forget that there's this inner life that God wants to work on and is continually working on in order to make us more like Jesus. And listen, think about this. Had Jesus insisted on his rights, we would have all perished. That's the whole point that Paul brought up in the second chapter of Philippians. How, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being by very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but he humbled himself. In other words, Jesus set aside his rights and he did that in order to save us. Had Paul insisted that he'd only serve Christ under the most ideal and comfortable circumstances, the church would have been deprived of some of its richest treasures because the treasure of Philippians came to us through Paul's discomfort. Now, one more thing on this whole issue of reopening the church. The idea being floated that the church cannot be the church unless we are gathered on Sundays has no basis in scripture or history. No basis in scripture or history that the church can't somehow be the church unless we are gathered. There have been many times and places in history where life was disrupted to the extent that things were not able to go on as usual and the church 
survived. Of course, it survived. We're still here. And we will survive this as well. The question is, what kind of witness? This is the question. What kind of witness will we leave the world? One of self-sacrificial love or one of self-centered disregard for others? Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me from his own experience of affliction. And as I said, remind you again, he's writing from prison. But he said these things at that time for times like this. Because every generation of Christians goes through challenging seasons where we are called to trust the Lord. That's the call, to trust the Lord. And although we preach that, although we, we say we believe that, uh, quite often, well, well, many times in our affluent situation, we don't have a ton of opportunity to do it unless we come down with some serious illness or have some kind of uh, disastrous situation occur. Oftentimes we we're trusting the Lord, but we're really trusting in a lot of other things as well. So this, this is a moment. This is a time for us to be able to trust the Lord. And that's why these things are written. And as we look to the Lord, he will strengthen us to come through this season better Christians than when we went into it. That is what I believe is happening. And this passage is to remind us that God will give us strength to not only survive this season, but to flourish in it if we will trust him. Now, that takes us to the next statement that I want to focus on. And so Paul, he goes on, he says, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians also, or know also, that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. And then he goes on and he speaks about Epaphroditus. He speaks about the gift that they gave. But then he says this in verse 19, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Wow. It seems these words were written for us today. Of course, I'm referring to the economic challenges that now exist as a result of the pandemic. The pandemic is one thing. The uh, economic challenges that come from the pandemic are a different thing, but they're related. But in all things, whether it's the pandemic or the, the effects of the pandemic, in all of those things, Christ will strengthen us and God will supply. 
That's what Paul says. God will supply. You see, this is where the real challenge lies. Trusting God in a financial crisis to supply all we need and not wavering in our support of the work of the gospel. That is actually what the Philippians did. Paul says to them, no one else contributed to the work. You did that. And the reason no one else contributed is because the whole uh, of the world at that time, the churches especially, were in financial difficulty. They were in financial straits. But Paul is commending them because he's saying, you did something for me, and not really just for me, but you did it for the gospel's sake because you valued the gospel even above your own situation. So he's commending them for that, and he is encouraging them to continue to do that. And then he says to them, I'm, basically he says, uh, I'm not saying this, not that I seek the gift. I, I'm not saying this for my own benefit. He says, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. You see, Paul was always interested in the spiritual well-being of those that God had given him a ministry to. And he knew that there was fruit that was abounding toward their account because of their generosity. And so he uh, encouraged them to continue to do that because that was a sacrifice that was well-pleasing to God. And listen, when financial difficulties come, so comes the temptation to withhold from the Lord. And we cannot succumb to that. And it's a temptation we all go through. I go through it. You go through it. Every one of us, when something happens, we, we automatically think, oh, I got to hunker down. I've got to pull back. I've got to uh, take care of myself. I've got to preserve myself. Now, if we were not followers of Jesus, that's completely understandable, but we are followers of Jesus. And that's not the behavior of the followers of Jesus. Why? Because as we said in a teaching uh, quite a few weeks back now, our heavenly father knows what we need. And so we don't have to be living under this anxiety that we're going to collapse because of the economic situation because our heavenly father is the one, Paul says, my God shall supply all your need. In other words, our heavenly father, my, my God, Paul's talking about our heavenly father, shall supply all of your needs. And so we need to embrace by faith the promises that God will supply all our need and demonstrate our faith by continuing to give, fully expecting God to fulfill his promise. And you see, Paul says, um, my God shall. Notice that certainty, my God shall. He doesn't say, hopefully God will come through. He doesn't say, you know, God might, my God shall supply all of your need. And then he says this, according to his riches in glory. Now think about that for a moment. Because Paul's reminding us that all of the wealth of the universe belongs to God. Everything is the Lord's. It's all his. And 
here's the amazing thing. God has a billion different ways that he is able to provide. And usually what happens is we get distressed because we can only think of a few ways and it doesn't seem like those things are going to come through. And we have to remember that God has ways that we never would even dream of. And, and one story really quickly comes to mind. And, and actually, this is a word that the Lord gave me early on uh, into this situation here. And it's the story of the prophet Elijah and the widow from Zarephath. And it's found in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. And you, you can read it there. I'm not going to read it to us. But I want to just quickly rehearse the story. So there's a, uh, there's a drought. There's a famine as a result of the drought. Elijah has pronounced a judgment upon Ahab and his kingdom. Uh, part of that judgment is there's not going to be any rain. And so then Elijah is led out into the wilderness by the Lord. And the Lord tells him, uh, go to the brook Kareth, and there I'm going to provide for you. And the Lord, you know, took him to a stream where he could be refreshed by the, by the water. And the Lord, it says, provided for him food, ravens. Ravens brought him his meal. Uh, that's not a fairy tale. That's a reality. Now, after a period of time, the brook dried up. And so that supply dried up. And Elijah said, Lord, what do I do? The brook's dried up. And the Lord said this, go to Zarephath, to a widow, I am going to provide for you from her. <laughs> now, if I was Elijah, I would have thought, wait, Lord, a, a widow? What is she, like a rich widow? Um, why, why don't, can't you provide through like a king or something like that? But the Lord says, go to this widow. So Elijah goes to Zarephath. He finds this widow woman. And he says to her, he says, uh, as she's passing by, he says, would you get me a, a cup of water? And so she's going to give him a cup of water. And he says, oh, by the way, could you also bring me a morsel of bread? And she turns and she says to him, she says, look, um, we don't have anything. She says, I have a bin with a little bit of flour in it. And I have a jar with a little bit of oil in it. And I'm about to go make a little cake for me and my son. And we're going to eat it. And then we're going to die because we don't have anything beyond that. And Elijah, Elijah says this. He says, okay, good. He says, do that. Make the cake, but make one for me first. And then go ahead and make one for you and your son. And then he said this, for thus says the Lord, the bin of flour will not be empty. The jar of oil will not run dry until the Lord sends rain on the earth. And the woman went and did what Elijah said. And that was exactly the case they were provided for. They were taken care of through the whole entire drought and famine. But look at this for a quick moment. Why does Elijah say, make one for me first? I mean, that sounds kind of selfish. Like, what's with Elijah? Why is he, you know, this is a poor widow and her son, and he's saying, hey, make one for me first. Elijah is the prophet of the Lord. And what he's doing here is he's basically saying to her, give to the Lord first, 
and know this, God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Uh, Elijah could have said that uh, if he would have had Philippians because that's basically what happened. And so as she took the thing that she had and she gave it to the Lord, then God gave to her And that's such a beautiful story that the bin was never empty and the jar of oil did never run dry. And you know, as I, as the pastor of this church and as the overseer of many different things that God has put uh, under me in this position, as I've looked and thought, Lord, how are we gonna survive this? How are we gonna make it through? This is the passage that the Lord gave to me. And I shared this passage with our staff. And and since I shared this passage, we've had to make many reductions on our staff because of the financial situation. But the promise is to all of us. That's the point. And the promise is to you today, as well as, as it is to me personally, and as well as it is to us congregationally. And so know this, My God, our Father, shall supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And like I said, God has a billion and one ways. So don't try to figure it out necessarily. Don't go through your list and put down your 10 ways that you think that God could provide. But then the, the probability of that is, is pretty slim. So we're going to despair. We're, we're gonna stop uh, trusting. We're gonna, uh, we can't be giving because of course we're, we've got to take care of ourselves. Don't go there. Just say, Lord, I don't know how you're gonna do this, but I I'm gonna put my trust in you. You see, this is a time, I am absolutely convinced this is a time for the church. It's a time of testing. Do we trust the Lord? Are we going to trust the Lord? And we talk about it, like I said, and I preach on it, but there are these seasons in life where we're called to live it. And so whether it's trusting the Lord to bring us out of this lockdown and to reopen the churches uh, according to his time frame, not the time frame of an impatient a uh, group of Christians, or if it's to say, uh, Lord, I don't know how we're gonna make it financially, but I, I just believe that, that you as my heavenly father who takes care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, and you care much more for me than you do for them, I, I just believe you're gonna do it. That's the, the, the thing that we need to lay hold of. And these are the promises that we need to stand on. These are promises. You know, that you can even buy like a, a little book on um, all of the precious promises of God. These two, verse 13 and verse 19, they're right in there because these are promises. So we wanna take God at his word and we wanna see how he does the thing that we can't even imagine being done. And so as we close I just want to leave us with this. Three quick things. My God shall supply, number one, strength. God will give us the strength. And so let's seek him. And when we get overwhelmed or when we get 
frustrated at the situation or when we think, you know, this is going on so long and it's so ridiculous. I just can't handle this. Lord, give me the strength. Give me the spiritual fortitude to keep trusting you and to be patient and to be joyful and to have peace and not to be riddled with anxiety. My God shall supply strength. My God shall supply. He will provide. He will provide. How will he provide? I don't know. Who would have ever thought that he would provide for the prophet through a raven and a poor widow? That's not what I would have thought, but that's exactly what God did. And so remember, God has a billion. He has 10 billion options and uh, he is the Lord and he can just, he can make it happen when we can't even imagine it. And then finally, let me just come back around to the gospel. My God shall supply salvation. Now, the word salvation can also be translated deliverance. And so for us as believers, we can have confidence God will supply deliverance. But I wanna just take one final minute here and speak to any of you who today, you wouldn't necessarily put yourself in the category of a believer in the sense that you know Christ, you know your sins are forgiven, you know that you have a place in heaven because you've turned to him by faith in repentance and received him as your Lord and Savior. But you know, if you haven't done that, today is the day to do that. And, and like I said at the very beginning, what we are talking about and what the Lord is offering in salvation, salvation is deliverance from our sin, the power of that sin that is uh, causing the, many of the problems in our lives and the lives of others, uh, the guilt of our sin that has to be paid for and the, the consequence of our sin, which is separation from God, when we come to Christ by faith, all of that is taken care of. And we are brought into a relationship with the Lord, the living God. And that all is God's gift to us through his riches in glory in Christ. Jesus provided this salvation for every single human being, every person. And so today, if you're a person who doesn't have the confidence that you are a part of God's family, that God is your God, and that these promises are for you, if you don't know that for sure, then make it certain. Make it certain by crying out to Jesus. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just call upon him. Just say, Jesus, I pray that you would forgive my sin. I pray that you would welcome me into your family. I pray that you would give me uh, eternal life. I pray that you would strengthen me and provide for me and all of those things. And as you ask him to do that, his promise is, whoever comes to me, I will never turn them away. And so you can know that. Let's pray. Lord, I do pray, I thank you for your great and precious promises. These two wonderful promises that we're looking at here today. Oh, how 
We thank you for them. And I pray for myself and I pray for all of those who are trusting you. Lord, help us to trust you in this challenging time. Help us, Lord, to know that we can be strengthened by your spirit to persevere through this season without growing impatient and without insisting that things go our way. We can put things in your hands. Help us to know that and help us to know, Lord, that we can depend on you to provide. And Lord, would you provide? Would you take care of us? Lord, you know our needs and you promise to supply all of our needs. That's the promise, all of our needs. You're not gonna let us sink. You didn't bring us this far to uh, lose us now. And so provide, I pray, for each and every person uh, according to your riches and glory, according to the need. And, and then, Lord, finally, I just pray for any that, that would open their heart and receive Christ today. Lord, as they call upon the name of Jesus, may your spirit come and come upon them, give them eternal life, and fill them with the joy and the peace of God. And Lord, put them on that new path of righteousness where they know you and they have complete confidence that you are with them, that they are now the children of the living God. So give that confirmation through your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.